This is the message from Connection Community Church for this Easter Sunday, March 31st, 2013. Jesus, uncontainable. And good morning, Connection Community Church. Oh yeah. It is so great to worship with you this Easter morning right here at Reading Middle School. Isn't it awesome that we can worship in a school? Absolutely. That is so cool. Well, as Carlton said, next week we'll be back at 100 West Green Street, and we hope that you'll join us there as well. My name is Carrie Jones. I'm Alan Jones. And we are two sinners who have been saved by the grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Would you pray with us, please? God, thank you for this day, a day that you've made, a day that you've given us as a gift. God, center us in right now that we might hear something new or be refreshed on something that we've already heard. God, thank you for your message found in Scripture. Help us remove all those distractions of what happens at 12 o'clock and just really focus on you right now. We pray this in your holy name. And everybody gathered said, Amen. 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 Limits. um, We live in a world of limits. When you drove in this morning, you probably passed some signs on the road that said or indicated a speed limit. Uh, Hopefully, hopefully you limited your speed, uh, as the sign indicated, but we don't always do that, do we, Carrie? No, we don't. Limits. Now, I really think that it's very hard to go 35 on 299 right out here. Is anybody with me on that? Yeah, yeah. But we need to obey the limits. There is a limit to how fast we should go in certain places. Do you know that there's a limit in how fast a car can even drive? There's a limit in how quick the engine can turn over and the wheels can go around and even a NASCAR driver has a limit in how fast his or her car can go. Limits. Driving isn't the only place we find limits. We find limits all over the place in our lives. Limits at work, limits at home, limits at school, limits even here at church, limits in our relationships, limits in our spending. It seems like the only thing that is limitless or without limits is the number of limits that we find in our lives, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's not to say, though, that limits aren't good. Many limits are good. They're there for our benefit. They've been established for our health, for our safety, for our well-being. It's important to have boundaries in order to have healthy relationships. And so through the limits, through the boundaries, we know when we've crossed the line, when we've gone too far, when we've exceeded our own authority. Our challenge at times is that we were created by a God who so far outstrips the limited brain that we have, if you know what I'm saying, that we have trouble even to fathom who this God is. And that's not to say God is without limits. There are some things that God can't do. I know you didn't think you'd hear that at church this morning, but here's an example of something God can't do. God can't not love you. Also, God can't ignore our sin. So God does have some limits, but generally speaking, God is beyond limits, especially our limits. Um, 
Um, and that causes a challenge for us because we celebrate how great is our God. We sing that song, right? How great is our God. While at the same time wishing at times we could control this very God who we think is so great. Um, we live with this irony, constant irony in our lives, that we stand in awe of the uncontainable God while we wish at times this same God would do exactly what we wanted him to do. Last Sunday, we gathered together and we celebrated something called Palm Sunday. That's in the Bible, and it tells us of what happened as Jesus was coming into Jerusalem that last week of his life. He was given a hero's welcome. People were waving palm branches and spreading their cloaks out for him to walk on. It's like he was this rock star. People were shouting a word called Hosanna. Hosanna, it's a Hebrew word used to mean praise God, or it says save us. That's what Hosanna means, save us. They saw Jesus as Savior, as God's instrument for their salvation. They were not putting limits on their shouts that day as they were waving him and greeting him along the way. But the Pharisees were in the crowd. Pharisees are religious leaders who are experts in the law. And they told Jesus to silence, to make his people quiet. Well, Jesus said he could not, even if the people were quiet, even the rocks would cry out. In other words, this outcry for Jesus was uncontainable. Say that word with me. Uncontainable. Even though the leaders wanted it contained, he was uncontainable. Yeah, they wanted it contained. They were feeling pretty threatened by this preacher from Galilee. He, he didn't follow the rules. He, he didn't do things the way they'd always been done. He, he didn't like, they didn't like that, uh, the way he wanted to do things. In fact, uh, he called them to task at times for doing the way, things the way they did them, they, the way they thought, that, the way they understood things should be done. And um, the bottom line, as we said, is they couldn't contain him. And so they tried to figure out a way to shut him out, to shut him down, to shut him up. And so they decided that the, uh, the, best way to end, the best way to put an end to this wild, crazy preacher from Galilee was that they could contain him by killing him. And so that's what they did. They crucified him, and he died hanging on a cross. And he was placed in a tomb, freshly cut in the rock, with a huge stone rolled in front of the opening. It was over, or so they thought. His followers, his disciples, figured it was over too. It had been a pretty good run. It was three years, three years together where they were following Jesus and watching Jesus heal Heal the blind man. Heal the woman with the hemorrhage. Heal the person. Cast demons out. Healing after healing. Miracle after miracle. So much so that some of them would hardly even have believed it if they hadn't seen it with their own eyes. But now it was over. 
Jesus had been arrested, beaten, nailed to a cross, died, and was buried. A stone covered the entrance of the tomb. The end. Or so they thought. That's why they were so surprised with what they found at the tomb on that third day. Here's how Mark describes it in his story of Jesus found in the second half of the Bible. Mark writes this, When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary, the mother of James, and Salome brought spices so that they might go to anoint Jesus' body. Very early on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb, and they asked each other, who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? But when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. Don't be alarmed, he said. You are looking for Jesus, the Nazarene who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him, but go. Tell his disciples and Peter, he is going ahead of you in Galilee, into Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. Can you even, can you, can you even begin to imagine what, uh, what must have been going through their heads at that point? I mean, dead is dead, and that is exactly what they expected to find that morning when they ventured to the tomb. First of all, they expected the stone to still be in place. From, from what we read, they estimate that that stone weighed between one and a half and two tons. That's between three and 4,000 pounds. That's the weight of a Chevy Impala. That's a so big stone. what did you Google to get that information? Well, I first Googled Honda Civic. But a Honda Civic only weighed about two and a half or 2,500 pounds. I thought, okay, I'll bet a Chevy Impala is just about the right size. And you know what? It was. Chevy Impala. Wait. Way too big for a couple of guys to move by themselves. And they used levers, from what we read, to, to move the stones like that into place. But plus, as we read in the book of Matthew, orders had been given that the tomb would be made secured, sealed, sealed, so that no one could steal this body to make it look like he had risen from the dead. Now, this Roman seal was affixed to the stone that secured the tomb. The seal stood for power and authority of this Roman Empire, and breaking the seal meant automatic execution by crucifixion upside down. That's pretty serious. And so anyone trying to move that stone from the tomb's entrance would have broken the seal and thus have incurred the wrath of the Roman law. Now, in addition to this, a Roman guard had been placed at the stone to make sure that, it wouldn't, that nothing would happen. And certainly the guard would not have fallen asleep with torture and death on his mind. Well, for many reasons, 
when the disciples, when the followers, when they got to the stone that day to the grave, they expected the stone to be right there in place. Next, even with the stone moved when they came to the grave, they still expected the body to be there. That's why they were going to anoint Jesus' body with spices. That was a ritual that they, that they did. And see, it was on that morning because when Jesus died on the cross, it was so late in the day, and the Sabbath was about to begin. The Sabbath began at, at, at sunset. It was so late in the day, by the time they got him off the cross, they barely had time to get him in that tomb. There wasn't time to anoint the body with spices before the Sabbath began. And so they had to wait until after the Sabbath, until the beginning of the first day of the week, which it is, as we're talking about this morning. That's what they were doing there. Can you imagine what must have gone through their brains, not only when they saw the rock was open, or the tomb was open, but when they went inside and, and found not the dead body of Jesus, but instead a young man, an angel of the Lord, dressed in a white robe, telling them Jesus has risen. In John's telling of the story in the second part of the Bible there, the strips of linen that had been used to wrap the dead body of Jesus were lying there. The burial cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head was folded by itself separate from the linen. Can, can you imagine what, I mean, their brains had to be spinning because this is so different from what they expected to find when they went to that tomb that morning. Well, it took the disciples a while to comprehend what had happened that Easter morning. I mean, looking in the empty tomb, they didn't fully understand what had happened. They didn't really completely comprehend even what they were looking at or not seeing. You see, they were looking with limited vision. Limited vision with eyes that are used to seeing limits in this world. It took some of them some time and some later meetings with the risen Christ, with Jesus, to fully understand that Jesus could not be contained. The grave could not contain him. How absolutely uncontainable Jesus is. You know, on Friday, when Jesus was beaten, crucified, buried, it looked like he had been contained. It appeared that the authorities, yes, were in control. When he cried out in agony on the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The agony of abandonment, the agony of knowing that separation from God the Father, it looked like he, Jesus, had lost, like the things that at times overpower us, evil, sin, death, it looked like they had won. You know, we have Fridays in our lives. We have Fridays in our lives. I'm not talking about just a bad day. I'm talking about those days or weeks or months that are so dark 
that it's hard to even get up anything to make it happen. Those things that happen in our lives that cause a lot of darkness, things that we may not even have control over. Yeah, we have Fridays in our lives. And we look around and we hear the news and we read the newspapers and and we see with our eyes that evil seems to win much of the time. And that could be true in our own homes and neighborhoods as well. The Fridays of our lives where, where we seem to be in this cage match, held captive, contained by the evil one who only wishes only desires to kill and steal and destroy our lives. And it's on those Fridays that we, we need to remember we must never forget what Pastor Adam Hamilton of the United Methodist Church of the Resurrection, what he so eloquently shares in his book, 24 Hours That Changed the World. Here's what Hamilton writes. He says, in Jesus... God entered that fighting arena where evil seems at times to have the upper hand. Jesus took the worst blow of the enemy, subject to the powers that conspired to destroy him. He was beaten, abused, and eventually knocked out. But just when the match seemed lost, Jesus arose, and in his resurrection, he dealt a finishing blow to the forces of evil, sin, and death. Christ offers us the opportunity to join forces with him, to be set free from the power of evil, sin, and death, say the rest with me, and to live lives of hope, freedom, and love. See, the empty tomb on Easter morning reminds us in those Fridays of our lives that it might be Friday, but Sunday's coming. It might be Friday, but Sunday's coming. Say it with me. It, it might, might be, be Friday, Friday, but, but Sunday's, Sunday's coming. coming. It reminds us that even though it appears that Satan has contained us, Jesus is uncontainable. And, and when we follow him, when we follow Christ, we're uncontainable too. Jesus is uncontainable. Death couldn't handle him, and the grave couldn't hold him. The religious leaders couldn't stand him, but they couldn't stop him. It was Jesus and Jesus alone who has the final word. Adam Hamilton continues when he says this. Knowing that Jesus will have the final word gives us courage when we face the problems of our time. That knowledge does not call us to hide in a room. It does not lead us to bury our heads and say, we do not care about the problems we face. Of course we care about what is happening in our world. And because of the resurrection, we are able to face those things with what? Hope and great courage. When they found that empty tomb that first Easter morning, it was pretty unsettling at first. It was so not what they expected. Because they thought the world had won. They thought evil had triumphed. They thought Satan had had his way and that Jesus was contained to be heard from no more. The empty tomb with the stone rolled back made them come face to face 
with what Jesus had been telling them with his words, had been showing them with his actions, had been sharing with them through his love, that God in the person of Jesus is absolutely uncontainable. Uncontainable. And since we are made in God's image, we're uncontainable too. When we allow Jesus to transform our lives, when we stop saying no to the relationship and life that Jesus offers, and by faith we jump up and say, yes, yes, yes. That's when we begin to develop a personal relationship with God, a relationship that's offered through Jesus, through the power of the Holy Spirit. And then the people we encounter in the world will see that Jesus is uncontainable, and they'll see that through our personal witness, through our love for those around us. The people we encounter will see through Christ. It's Christ, it's not us, but they will see love through us that is completely uncontainable. The love that we share as Christians, as followers of Christ, is the sacrificial love of Jesus. It's a God-powered love that calls us as Connection Community Church to continue to reach the people in New Delhi in the poorest slums so that they know that God is real, that they matter to God. It's a love that has us touch the heart of a child across the world through a shoebox filled with toys and other kinds of goodies. It's a love that gives us resources to make a difference by buying mosquito nets so that children don't die of malaria over in Africa. It's a love that we share in our community, in our schools, in our workplaces. It's a love that can explode. It's a love that you just can see and feel because it's palpable when you're around someone who has the love of Jesus. And we're no longer strangers because of that love, but we're friends. Uncontainable love. It's a love that breaks every chain in our lives because we tend to get all chained up. We tend to be imprisoned. And when Jesus invades our heart, comes into our very being, we are broken free of all that hinders us, of all that holds us. Jesus' love can break every chain of any hurt that you have of powerlessness. Do you know that Jesus' uncontainable love can break the chains of addiction, can break the chains of abuse, can break the chains of any grief, any helplessness, any hopelessness that you might have? It is that uncontainable Jesus who loved us, who loved you so much that he came, he lived, he died and he rose again, showing us that every chain can be broken. Every chain can be broken. 
if you don't know that Jesus that I'm talking about, I hope that he's tapping on your shoulder and you're feeling that right now. You might think, what is going on? I'll tell you what's going on. You are loved by a most high God. And God created you, whether you accept Jesus or not as your Savior, God created you for his purpose and his plan and does not want us to live in darkness anymore. He came to break our chains, the name of Jesus, the power of Jesus in our lives can indeed break all chains. Amen. Thank you for joining us for our podcast. For more information about Connection Community Church in Middletown, Delaware, please visit our website at www.connectioncc.org. You can also call our church offices at 302-378-7692. Connection Community Church, connecting people with Jesus and the life that he offers. Thank you.